Hello and welcome to Jake's World, episode 26 of Jake's World. Today is Monday, August 3rd, and our world is still falling apart. Not going to talk about that too much today, though. I mean, I had a big, big weekend for myself just because um, hockey was back. Got to watch the Blackhawks Saturday afternoon. Looked like a wagon out there. So, going to be a little bit of a sports-heavy podcast. Going to talk about some of the sporting things in the last week. But before I get into that, I'm going to get into some of the amends that I want to make going forward, right? Now, I started this with the intentions of, you know, doing this every few days, right? Twice a week. And... Whether that be everything I've got going on, you know, I'm working a lot more, driving a lot more, not sitting around as much anymore, just because, you know, our society has made it to where you can still go do things, but there are restrictions on them. I mean, I'm not going out and getting blasted at bars or eating at restaurants all the time. Not at all, really, but... You're not restricted like you were when I decided to start doing this. And I'm just putting my time in not the right places to give this show the best effort I can. And I want to get back to that. So first of all, what I need to do is prep a little, right? Now, I feel like I've done an okay job of just being able to whip up a few things to talk about before. Like, I take a couple of notes on my phone just about topics I want to talk about. But I feel like I can expand on a lot of the the points I want to make about it, right? I mean, I could break down, I don't know, anything off the top of my head. Okay, something I didn't talk about, but... I could elaborate on instead of glossing over it and saying, you know, the same few things over and over. The whole Kanye West thing, right? I'm not going to get into that just because it's a pretty polarizing thing. And the social and political climate we kind of live in right now, you can't have a different take on it. I rediscovered Kanye West's music. You know, a few months back, and I forgot how much I liked it. I mean, his stuff in the late aughts, 2000s, were some of the best music written in the last quarter century. Kanye West is the most talented hip-hop artist of my generation. I mean, I'm not counting... You know, the guys in the 90s, I was technically alive. Like, Tupac was still around for a year but I mean I wouldn't remember it same thing with Notorious B.I.G and then you have guys like Eminem and Dr. Dre still writing music but I mean aside from that hip hop has taken a huge change in direction to where it's going or what it is now I should say like 20 years ago is 25 years ago totally different than what it is today and Kanye West has you know, written 
brilliant music. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, 808s and Heartbreak, Life of Pablo, all those albums are extremely good. And we live in a climate today where all the stuff he goes on about, I mean, he looked like a fool. We forget about that. And we also forget about the fact that he's struggling mentally, right? He has bipolar disorder, and right now it appears to be untreated. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a specialist in mental health disorders, but I feel like that's a safe claim to make. An example like that, I could go on and on about my take on it, and I could go off the top of my head like I did for two minutes right there, but I feel like, you know, writing down organized, cohesive thoughts and making a moral to the story, essentially would be a lot more seamless, it would flow a little better, and it would be something of substance, right? Now, it's a good transition. I just said I don't want to take a stance on that or those extremely polarizing issues. I think sometimes I should come unhinged, right? If I think something's stupid or lacks common sense or just doesn't seem right, I'm going to express my thoughts about that. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, you have to be a hot take artist or, you know, beat a dead horse or, you know, be play devil's advocate or anything like that. But say what you feel. Back it up. If you don't agree with it, don't listen to it ignore any negative criticism you get for expressing your opinion and that's something we can take towards our everyday lives practice that in everything we do if you receive negative criticism in a constructive form that's good build on that but if it's just haters hating not trying to sound like that but you know what i mean if it's just people blowing smoke at you because they don't agree with you and they tear you down because they don't like what you're saying well it's working people are listening say it as long as it's morally justifiable or you see a certain side of it and your perspective is a certain way and you can explain it in a way that you can articulate I'm going to go for it So what did I say there? A little more prep work. Expand on things. In a more cohesive way. Don't sugarcoat it. And lastly. Well second to lastly. I want to broaden the things I want to talk about. Right, I've been doing the movie things a little bit. But I mean those are movies that I can just kind of do off the top of my head and I don't have to watch again and I'm not going to do that you know I'm going to put good movies in there movies that are good to talk about that have a story right I'm going to skip Saving Private Ryan tonight and next week we're going to do A Few Good Men just thinking about that I my dad was watching it last week when I came home Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson do a fantastic job in that movie and I talked about Saving Private Ryan a little bit a couple months ago when I did uh, the D-Day thing. We're talking about you know World War Two on June 6th or June 7th, whenever I did the show, but it was that time of year. 
and I kind of mentioned that movie in the description of that whole scenario. So I figured instead of doing that again, even though the story in that movie is fantastic with and well acted with Tom Cruise, um, not Tom Cruise, excuse me, Tom Hanks, um, Matt Damon, there's a couple other good supporting roles in there too, but the story's good, but I feel like that's such a cliche movie that everyone kind of talks about, so a few good men might be too, but it's a good movie, we're going to go that direction, and lastly, I want to talk to other people too, I'm sure you get sick of hearing my voice and my perspective all the time. And I had a guest once, Casey Willis, a long time ago. I had a lot of fun doing it. And that's something I want. I've been thinking about logistically how to do it. I mean, that's kind of been my one hurdle is just figuring out a way to get people on the show, right? I mean, travel's not encouraged right now. In fact, it looks like we're trending the opposite way where it might be looming toward more of a shutdown with cases spiking in lots of areas of the country but that's just something I need to figure out logistically and then I gotta ask people to come on and I mean it's gonna be people I know like probably friends in school and other people like that but it gives me an opportunity to hear the same things I'd like to talk about from a different perspective or different point of view and for listeners just to hear someone else's voice and that's huge too and it's fun it's fun shooting the shit it's fun doing little bits here and there and getting a different side of the story so that's the direction I'm going to take and try to improve this show and lastly lastly I got to promote it now I can't ask listeners to promote it if I'm not promoting it myself. It's got to be both things. I, I'm going to get out of what I put into this. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to get... What I put in is what I'm going to get out. If I put in half-assed effort, that's probably what I'm going to get back. But if I take the time and prepare and try to produce something quality and endorse it and sell it, I'm going to get better results and better results out of me is a better result and a more polished product for you. So that's what I'm going to do. Those few things I just talked about for the last five, 10 minutes, going to give that a shot and see where we can go from there. Now, like I said, it's going to be a little bit more of a sports centric show today. Going to keep it pretty brief. Just because aside from sports and politics, I feel like that's all I'm talking about ever. It's my world and I want to talk about something else. And I got to go digging for something else. That's kind of what we're at. So bear with me for hopefully a few more episodes of just sports and just whining about the social economic. So whatever word status of our country today so baseball 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 what are we gonna do with or without you let's start with the smaller stories first my chicago chubbies look really good really really good swept the pirates this weekend damn they're gonna win a lot of games this year bats 
Ball's flying off the bats. The boys are hitting. But not all the boys are hitting. Last time, I stated how the Marlins had a little bit of an epidemic of the coronavirus. Led to a bunch of cancellation of games. That number's gotten up to 17 now, last time I heard. And over the weekend, the Cardinals and the Brewers had to cancel their weekend series. The Cardinals now have a few guys who have virus. I think it said 14 people in total had it, with seven of them being players. I don't know. It's really shitty situation. I'm not going to describe the entire scenario again. I'll briefly restate my point. I don't think a bubble would have been feasible with the amount of personnel and the travel things with baseball being associated with it. Playing in a complex in two parts of the country where the outbreak is getting being the worst or it's coming up at a higher rate than the rest of the country right now putting all those people in even if it's a semi-isolated area in you know like in phoenix right greater phoenix area you've got mesa you've got scottsdale you've got glensdale you could have all those players in that greater area but still when you bring in a thousand people traveling everywhere every which way play at a consolidated spring training complex it's just I don't think a bubble is feasible but something's got to go on something's got to change and that's what I don't foresee happening the MLB is really slow to reacting to anything no matter what the context is what the setting is baseball's regarded regarded as our national pastime and that's quickly changing just because leadership in the MLB front office is very reluctant to change the game in ways that make it more engaging for the fans. Now, if they can't do something as small as, you know, add a DH to the National League, they finally did that, and they've been, the National League has been around for 150 years. It took them that long to introduce that new rule when people were really wanting it I mean the pitching spot's a dead spot in the lineup don't you think having a DH would be a little more exciting yeah pace of play is slow baseball's a tremendously slow game especially on TV I've probably watched more baseball in the regular season on television this year than I have ever in an entire season and I've watched like six games on TV when I was a little kid I watched the Cubs and the White Sox a lot but you're a little kid when I was a little kid I didn't play video games that much I went outside I played sports and I watched a lot of sports on TV it's just it's hard to watch on television and they introduced a new rule where you like the lefty specialist setup guy you know gets the seventh inning, two outs, bases loaded. You got to face three batters. It's not a one-out guy. They're trying to speed up the pace of play. It took so long for them to introduce these kinds of things. Why would you expect the MLB to be progressive in setting up a league with special scenarios for one season that is effective? Why would you expect them to be reactive to 
an ever-changing situation, right? You get cases like this, it's inevitable. Look where you're traveling, for one. Two, the first team that had a problem with an outbreak was in Miami. They're out clubbing. And I think that's what happened. Like, What do you expect if you're not forcing these players to be at least isolated from doing other things? I mean, they're allowed to go home to their families and go out to eat and things like that. You're going to get it if you live in a large city. It's just the... Like I said, I'm kind of defending the no bubble thing, but the other aspects of the whole situation could have been arranged differently. They could have been drawn up differently. And a week ago, I said I'd give it a week or two until MLB shut it down for good. Now, if there are two more, two or three more teams that have issues that come up during this week, I'll stand by that take. But if it's just the Cardinals and Brewers series getting postponed and the Cardinals having a problem, I mean, I don't think anything's happened with the Phillies or the Yankees yet and the Orioles yet. They've had cancellations or postponements, I should say. I think they intend on being made up. I think it's just those two teams, last I've seen, that have had issues with an outbreak. If a couple more teams get it, yeah, they'll cancel it. Or at least think about redrawing it. But if that's if these are the only two teams, you know, going into the next week or two, MLB the MLB is just gonna let this blow up in their face. They're literally going to do something until the players are like, I'm not playing. Now transitioning, Joanna Cespedes kinda had a little weird situation happen over the weekend, which is classic Mets, right? Joanna Cespedes, um, plays left field for the New York Mets and he's a shorter guy but he's yoked right this guy's guy I'm not even gonna look up how big he is but he's a thick boy he's stacked uh what was it Sunday Sunday's game he doesn't like you know he's not on the team bus or whatever I didn't read the whole story I I was driving home yesterday when I saw it and I kind of just flipped through the Instagram stuff see this is what I mean these are the things I need to prepare for. I can't just make a, a quasi-joke and blow it off. But I'm going to do it one last time. Joannis Cespedes didn't report for a team meeting or whatever, or if they're, whether they're leaving to a game or you know doing scout film, whatever. Um, coach or a couple of players go up to his hotel room to like get him to go. Like, we got to go to the field. And they open the door, they get the door open, and he's gone. He's not just gone. Everything's gone. He opted out. And I think that was the first case of an MLB player opting out for the season due to health concerns. He's not sick. He's afraid of getting sick. And I don't blame him. It's just so strange that the MLB is having these logistical problems of keeping their players healthy in a sport where they're the least likely to get you know, get exposed because they're so spaced out from each other, especially in the outfield. You're 100 feet from the next person. 
like in a normal setting, fans can be closer to you than your center fielder or your third baseman or your shortstop. So it's kind of crazy. I mean, a ton of Patriots players have opted out in the NFL. Um, a couple NBA guys have. I think that was before the bubble, though. I mean, I think a lot of guys are leaving the bubble just because of health concerns like of their family. But the NFL guys, this is another thing, too. Like, I'm going to transition into the NFL season. That This has a lot of question marks on it. I mean, it's only one day a week. But it, from the looks of it right now, they're doing a regular schedule with no fans. They're traveling and such. I mean, the NFL is a different animal just because, like I said, there's only one game a week. You're in a visiting city for the weekend, and then you fly back that night. Or if you played Monday Night Football, you get there Sunday and rest up and do walkthroughs Monday, whatever, right? It's going to be the same kind of thing as the MLB, except unless they do a much better job of isolating their players you know, during their downtime, you're going to have the same issues. It's a contact sport, too. I mean, I guess we'll see. The NFL's not great on a PR standpoint, either. They're not... They're a little more reactive than the MLB, but, you know, Goodell likes to shoot himself in the foot with some things, too. So, we'll see, but... Who knows what Bill Belichick's doing. He's got something up his sleeve. And I think he's playing it really smart. And we're on to him. And we don't. There's not anything we're going to be able to do about it. If they end up playing a season. Um, I think if they end up canceling the season. Like they're on the like they're on the hook for like the first pick or something like that. I think that might have been like a Twitter rumor or something. But. Seven players on the Patriots have opted out of playing this season. A lot of guys in their defense. And it's like, hmm, are they, you know, kind of tanking to get Trevor Lawrence with the first pick of the draft? I don't know. I'd be curious to see, too. I doubt the NCAA season is going to happen. I mean, I did see some plans for conference schedules like the SEC is doing just a in-conference schedule I think Notre Dame's playing with the ACC this season um I think the Big 12 might have announced something too but I, I'm assuming a lot of these teams are gonna you know just stick to conference schedules but that's if school's in session I don't even think they're gonna play I'm not even gonna get into that too much college football the NCAA mishandles everything and they're definitely not going to handle this one right so i doubt we'll see a week of college football one or two if we're really lucky i bet you it could shut down in the next couple of weeks here because i mean the first like the badgers play their first out of conference game like the last weekend of august or the first weekend in september whenever the month ends and new month begins that's four weeks and we'll see we'll see we'll see and the big, big story from the weekend, or end of week into the weekend, was Joe fucking Kelly. <laughs> I 
I was going to title the podcast Free Joe Kelly, but honestly, I think he's such a little rat fucker for doing this, even though it was hysterical. Like, I find myself in the middle of the uh, Astros resentment and the Astro crybaby fans, like the Get Over It fans, like, kiss the ring. Like, stop that. No, you cheated. But on the flip side, it's like, you can't fucking plunk these guys forever. But I'll get into it. So if you lived under a rock, Joe Kelly is a uh, reliever setup guy for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, in 2017, when the Houston Astros were doing their trash can smashing and Jose Altuve was wearing a wire, a little narc. Um, they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. Hmm. I'd be pretty pissed about it. But get this. Alex Cora was the assistant manager on that, or an assistant coach on that Astros team. Or he's a coach somewhere. He wasn't the head coach. That was a... Uh, Hinch, AJ Hinch, I think his name is. He was a he was on the coaching staff, and in 2018 he took a job as a head coach for the Boston Red Sox. Joe Kelly was on the Boston Red Sox, and the Red Sox had a few questions to answer about winning the World Series in 2018. Did Cora take the same methods and the same scandalous activities and apply it to the Red Sox? Technically, I mean, the MLB didn't find anything or punish them in any way, but even if they didn't, it's like, what do you care? You weren't even on the team. Now, if it was like Clayton Kershaw on the team or Kenley Jansen on the or on the mound, I should say, yeah, that'd be one thing. Like, yeah, I'd see one of those guys once I pitched. That would piss me off, because like those hitters are really good, and it's hard enough to get guys out sometimes. Well, with my stuff, it was hard enough to get guys out sometimes without them cheating. And then they know a pitch is coming. I mean, most guys can execute if they know what's coming, right? You get tipped from the dugout. Okay, it's a fastball. Up. Okay? If he misses a spot, I mean, you you can take away half of the zone, right? Unless you have a real wild card on the mound, you have an idea of where it's going to be. You have such an advantage with that. Joe Kelly has no reason to be pissed. He may have possibly reaped the rewards of his hitters knowing where pitches would have been in some different erroneous fashion. Now, pitchers didn't really benefit from this aside from, you know, additional run support and, I guess, peace of mind when you're on the mound because it's much easier to pitch with a lead than without one. But that's besides the point. Joe Kelly faces Altuve, Bregman, and Correa in one inning. Jose Altuve throws at him a couple times. 
think he hits Altuve. Throws behind Alex Bredman. Behind his head. Misses him. He gets walked. He strikes out Correa after throwing at him once or twice. And um, he, him and Correa are jawing at each other as uh, Kelly's walking out of them off the mound. He gets out of the jam. And he's swearing at him. And he, you can tell what he's saying. And you can probably hear it because there's no fans there too. Unless the MLB didn't let that footage get out. But, I mean, it's on TV, so I'm sure if you recorded it, you could get it out there some in some way, shape, or form. And uh, they're swearing at each other, and he's like, I'll go cry about it. Uh, you're just swearing at each other, right? And then Kelly's like, shut the fuck up, crybaby. And then he gives a little pouty face with the lip. Oh, it was so funny. He was a meme for, like, two days, and the internet was on fire. It was so funny, just... You could just hear, like hear his voice. He's cry, baby. What did you do? Cry, buddy. Cry, baby. Cry. Oh, what a good movie, Christmas Story. I watch that like thirty times every Christmas. But it's like you have no business doing that. And especially he threw at Bregman's head. Like you can't be doing that. I mean, no matter how, what they did, it's like. Is it worth seriously hurting somebody? I mean, put it in his back. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, I don't know. I'm so weird. It's like I don't even have an opinion on it because it's like I see both sides of it. Like, yeah, I'd be fucking pissed. And those guys are going to set records for getting hit by pitches. And they're rattled, too. You can tell they're all batting under 200. I mean, the season just started, but they don't look good. None of them look good. But how could you? If you're not, you know you're going to get thrown, or at least worked inside. You know you're going to get worked inside. And the thing with Kelly, too, he could kind of play it off because he wasn't throwing anything for strikes. And it's a miracle that he struck out Correa. Like, what are you doing? Just don't swing at anything. He's going to try to hit you on at least three of them. And honestly, if it's 3-0, and he's probably just going to peg you with the fourth one. Fuck it. I don't know. But then again, I understand all the resentment towards them too. Because it's like, well, here's the real kicker about the entire fucking situation. Joe Kelly gets suspended eight games for the entire situation. Now, like, all the antics and stuff, I could see, like, you know, a game or two. And you know, even throwing at the guys, yeah, a game or two. But, like, Manfred, wake up. You gave, you suspended this guy eight games in a 60-game season. It's the equivalent to a 22-game suspension in a full-length season. You suspended this guy for, you know, doing your punishment for you, and then the real cheaters didn't get punished at all. Like, What? I could go on and on about how many different commissioners have suspended players over the entire course of the game's history for a variety of reasons. The 1918 Black Sox, the White Sox were the Black Sox back then, they got caught in a cheating thing or whatever. All those guys were suspended for life, lifetime ban. Um... Pete Rose, gambling on his team, 
So allegedly, if he was betting on anyone else, whatever. Lifetime ban. Arguably the best hitter of all time. He's not going to get in the hall. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a posthumous thing. He, they're sticking firm. He's not being allowed in the Hall of Fame. And I think that's a shame. That's one instance where I think um, a commissioner should reverse that. But I don't think that's going to happen for a long time. Um, the steroid era. All those guys were, if not suspended, some of them were. I mean... Melky Cabrera was. He, was. he wasn't a steroid guy, but some of these guys were suspended. Sammy Sosa, the court bat. Um, Alex Rodriguez, and multiple times with him. Um, you have uh, Nelson Cruz is another guy. There's all these isolated incidents, in, isolated incidents of players taking performance-enhancing drugs and if not getting suspended for it, at least dragged through the mud like Mitchell Report, all these baseball players had to go testify in front of Congress. Barry Bonds was on trial for obstruction and perjury in a real court of law. And then you have a very clear, cut and dry, slam dunk, black and white case of a team cheating. Sign stealing is a part of the game with your eyes and your brain your finger and doing things like that like physically stealing signs is frowned upon you're going to get thrown at if you do it but that's a part of the game every every team does that like a runner on second base can signal a catcher or a hitter because he can probably see the signs the catchers are giving if he's not doing a good job of hiding it not the pro level but you know collegiate level or high school yeah that's a part of a game a third base coach can tip you a first base coach can, can tip you you don't look in the catcher's glove because you're going to wear one, but that's a part of the game. It's a little more natural. Now you're using devices or cell phones or banging on trash cans because you're using cameras in center field. The cameraman is zooming in on the catcher and relaying signs to you on a cell phone or a walkie-talkie or whatever the fuck. That's not allowed. And... I'm not saying you ban a team f- from, like, you could have sanctioned them. The NCAA um, gives out sanctions all the time. They vacate titles. Rick Pitino lost his NCAA title with the stripper thing in Louisville. Louisville, however you say it. That... There are consequences for doing that. Same thing happened with USC. I talked about Reggie Bush being reinstated after 10 years. And his was a recruiting violation, which is cheating. But that goes on all the time, and big programs get away with it. But that's not exclusive to one school. There are so many big schools that do that under the table. But that's been highlighted too. But that's a scenario where... Popular opinion is driving those athletes to be compensated for their namesake, and that has started in certain fashions. They can get paid for their likeness, right? Now, paying them $100,000 to go to your school on top of a full ride is a little different, but a lot of people are okay with that, and I feel like that is influencing the decision-making of the NCAA. 
baseball, that's not the case. Nobody wants that in the game. And that was such a clear example of how you could at least, you should lose draft picks for sure. And, I mean, they're not going to need him for a while, so that wouldn't really hurt. All those guys are relatively young. They'll need pitching soon, though. And they haven't developed pitching. Verlander's 37. Now he's hurt. Granky's old as shit for baseball standards. Garrett Cole's gone. He walked. Got paid in New York, but he walked. I mean, fines, suspensions vacating playoff chances that's the one they should have done that would have hurt the most they win the in a regular season say they win the al west and they miss the playoffs that would hurt the most because this is the the prime contention of all those players on that roster they play a regular season they accumulate stats and they miss the playoffs they win 100 they go 162 they finish in fifth. That's how it should have been, if you ask me. You need to punish them for things like that because that'll actually make teams, coaches, managers think twice about doing things like that. So that's my take on that. A lot of ranting about the sports, but I'm glad I was able to at least think about ways I need to improve the show and I'm glad I highlighted those things and I'm going to try my best to work those into the show you know being consistent with those practicing those and trying to make this the best I can I'm going to try to diversify everything and a few good men for next Monday's show so you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Jake Sawinski 8 J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Talk about the show, tell your friends. If you want to come on, if you have an idea of who you want to get on, let me know. I mean, I can't interview fucking Dan Katz or, I don't know, anybody, like anyone famous, of course. But I mean, you can see. Give me some ideas. I mean, so much of this is about who you know and having connections and meeting other people. That's something that I'm, if I want to take this seriously, it's something I'm going to have to learn to do too is network. So just go from there. So have a good week and talk to you guys next time.